Welcome to NetFront Presence, the pre-NHL draft edition. I'm Jeff Gordon of the Post-Dispatch, joined by the beat reporters Jim Thomas and Tom Timmerman. And guys, there's been a, a bit of news that we can cover before we, we talk a bit about the draft and all that surrounds it. Um, not a shock that the Blues lost one of their assistant coaches, at least one so far, and Jim Montgomery going to the Boston Bruins. And JT, uh, Doug Armstrong loves to bring in seasoned hockey men to his organization and he taps uh, Craig McTavish. So uh, good for Jim uh, Montgomery and it looks like a pretty good hire for the Blues. And good for uh, Doug Armstrong too, to, to help a guy out like Montgomery. And it was a, it was a win-win. Uh, Montgomery uh, kind of rehabbed his, uh, his image and showed everybody his past issues were behind him and, 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 and really helped the, uh, uh, the Blues uh, kind of reestablish themselves uh, uh, this season. And uh, boy, with all the openings, it looked for a while like he, he might get shut out. But uh, just right at the end, when, when there were two just two openings left, well, we thought there were just two openings left. San Jose popped up in the weeds, uh, popped out of the weeds there later, but he gets a job in uh, Boston. Boy, uh, a lot of high expectations when you're going to coach uh, uh, that team. And, and it's going to be a tough situation for him because their core, uh, their top guys, are, are, are really aging. So we'll, we'll see what he can do there, but uh, best of luck to them. And I, and I guess the, uh, in a, in a hiring cycle where a lot of coaches uh, were just recycled, former head coaches, I guess the uh, moral of the story to Van Ryan and, uh, and Steve Ott is that maybe, maybe the league thinks they, they need a little bit more seasoning. Yeah, Craig McCavish, the replacement is kind of also classic Doug Armstrong, but more classic like assistant to the general manager type. That's the kind of guy that uh, Armstrong has really pinpointed for, you know, advisory positions in the front office. But, uh, yeah, that'll be uh, interesting to have him uh, presumably behind the bench. We'll see where he ends up. But, um, you know, and there was a guy that was probably off the radar. There's, uh, you know, who's going to be in the assistant coach mix and um, certainly a guy with experience, but not someone who you may have thought of because of his situation. Yeah, you look at Craig, you know, obviously a great player. Um, he's been a coach and he's also been a manager. And it makes it it's it's an interesting to have a guy who has run a franchise um, end up, you know, on your on the bench next year, your, your head coach like like uh, JT, like uh, Tom says, that was a classic would have been a classic Armstrong hire for the front office. But maybe this is a bit more like maybe like Larry Robinson when he was brought in just to, to work, not, not in quite the same position, but more uh, on as, as a part-time assistant coach, but to get a seasoned, uh, seasoned eyes on into the mix. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, he, he likes collecting uh, those, those types of uh, people, but I think in the case of Armstrong, although Armstrong is, is younger, he's about a decade younger than McTavish. It's almost like a consulary role for a, uh, for uh, uh, Craig Berube, and it worked out really well with Montgomery. So he, he definitely, it definitely looks like he was uh, uh, he was going toward that uh, uh, that mold with uh, with McTavish, a guys that that seen a lot, and 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 also the personality type, at least according to Armstrong, a guy who perks up the room, brightens up a room. Uh, sounds like he's in terms of his interpersonal relationships, kind of a a high energy guy. I, I uh, chuckled when Armstrong talked about you guys are going to love talking with Craig McTavish. We're not going to talk to Craig McTavish. We don't talk to assistant coaches. They're, 
they're off limits. So Craig McTavish may be the most charming guy on the planet. We'll never know. Um, <laughs> so uh, you know, we pass him in a hallway maybe every now and then, but that'll be it. But also kind of a, a tacit admission on Armstrong's point that Van Ryan and Ott are still young guys. As long as they've been around, he said, you know, an experienced guy they can learn from. Um, you know, maybe because I covered Steve Ott when he played, it seems like he's been around for a long time. And Van Ryan's been a coach for a while now, too. But uh, at least in our, Doug Armstrong's eyes, they're still young, young coaches. Well, JT, on the personnel side, uh, as the Blues prepare for the draft, the Blues are also attempting to, uh, to deal with uh, or are dealing with some of their, their own issues in terms of trying to re-sign players. It's some really interesting cases that you've written about. Um, let's start with, uh, the, I think the guy most likely to leave, it would seem, is uh, Vili Husso. By all accounts, there are teams interested in him in the market uh he would be an idiot not to explore the market jt uh, i don't know what if there's anything doug armstrong can tell his representation uh, that would keep him from exploring the market because there just may be uh, i think surprisingly uh good money for for huso um out there right now for him you know people are talking like five million a year seems crazy but uh, jt there, there just might be a market for him yeah, it really does seem crazy for a guy with, uh, what, 50, uh, uh, something like 50 pro uh, pro starts. The, the, as I wrote today, the, the timing's perfect for him. Uh, not only is he coming uh, off his breakout uh, season, but uh, there's a lot of teams that need goalies. And uh, if you look at the list of free agents, there's not a lot of goalies out there that, that are, you know, you look at him and go, oh, wow, he'd be – He'd be nice to uh, have. You, you think Colorado will make every effort to re-sign uh, uh, Darcy uh, Kemper? Mark Andre Fleury is more a, kind of a brand name now than the goalie that he was uh, uh, five years ago. And uh, you know you got Jack Campbell, and and and, and that's about it. So uh, uh, yeah, the Blues are are fully expecting Huso to uh, uh, to to leave. The uh, the agent and uh, Doug Armstrong are supposed to meet at the uh, uh, draft in Montreal. We have an old-fashioned draft, an actual in-person draft for the first time in a, uh, a few years here uh, coming out of, we think we're coming out of COVID anyway. So there'll be a lot of agents meeting with, uh, with team executives up in Montreal uh, Thursday and Friday. Yeah, I think the only way you can keep Huso off the market would be to really overpay him, which I don't think the Blues want to do for a backup goalie. And even, even if you overpaid him, I think there's all the more reason, all the reason in the world for Huso to say, I can go somewhere else and be the number one goalie. And I don't think the blues can match the length of contracts that other teams are going to offer. If teams are talking about a four-year deal with Huso, the blues aren't going to give, have both of their goalies locked up for at least four years. That seems like it'd be over the top. And if you do that, the next thing you, you got to do is trade Joel Hofer uh, because you know, it's, you don't need, the, the next generation of blues minor league goalies have nowhere to go. If you, uh, if you extend Huso. So um, yeah, the situation, I, I don't see any reason why Billy Huso is not a free agent is not entertaining a pretty good offer from somebody very soon. Yeah. And in reading your uh, assessment of the case there, JT, I, uh, I, I kind of like, I, I circled the devils as well. And for, for a bunch of reasons, the familiarity of the goaltending coach, but also, that team's ready to break out. I think that'd be a great spot to go. 
that, that team could, could really take off. I mean, it, it finished miles out of the hunt last year, but, you know, Jack Hughes and Nico Hishier, um, they've got some good young D men. Uh, they've got some room to work to spend some money. They got to get Brett re-signed, but I, I think that might be the spot, you know, a chance to grow with a team that's, I think could be on the verge of a breakout. So, um, you know what, one of the nice guys, Maybe not, uh, didn't fill up too many notebooks, JT, uh, with, with uh, you know, lots and lots of colorful comments and quips and, yeah. and antics. There were no antics, really, but uh, but, but good for Vili. He was the anti-Jordan uh, uh, Bennington in, in, in terms of the antics, but uh, yeah, yeah, good for him. And, uh, you know, in an ideal world, the Blues would have a goalie ready to step in, and that would be Joel Hofer, and, and he would have two years as a starter in the AHL, but the 2021 season, he was in a bad spot, just like a lot of uh, younger players, junior hockey players. Uh, he got only 10 games in because the American League didn't start until, what was it, like February or, or, or something like that. And, uh, uh, you know, Hofer is telling the, the Blues, I'm ready, I'm ready, but they want him to get 50 more starts, uh, especially without the uh, – uh, without the benefit of, you know, really having a 2021 season. I mean, he's, he's got kind of a hole in his, 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 his development. So, so we'll see, but yeah, uh, you know, I don't think you can underplay the, the fact that he knows the goalie coach and he worked with Rogalski. He was the roving goalie instructor. He worked with him a lot uh, in, in the minor leagues and to go there. And yeah, and I, I agree with you on the Jersey. They, they certainly seem like a team on the rise. So now when I was out there, I guess it was like early, early March. Uh, and the blues were just in their funk. And, uh, I think the tail end of their funk and, uh, you know, every time I, I'd see a player score for New Jersey or see some, a player do something good. I'd look up his background Oh, he's a first round draft pick. Oh, this guy's a first round. They have a lot of top end, young top end talent there. And I'm sure the sales pitch, at least part of it with the Huso would entail, Hey, you're, you're going to get in on the ground floor and, and, and we're a team that's going to go places. Yeah, and if, if Hover's not ready, is Charlie Lindgren a guy that the blues are comfortable handing the backup spot over, or do they look for some of the, there's always seem to be gobs of career backup goalies uh, that are out there that you can get to a, signed to a one-year deal uh, until Hofer is ready. So, you know, does Lindgren get more attention from somewhere else after his season? Is he now in that world of competent NHL backup goalies, or is he still that notch below of a, of a good AHL guy, but not an NHL guy? Yeah, that'll be the question. If they Do they sign a guy to a one-way contract? Do they go for a guy that would be um, – that they would uh, commit to? to be the guy. And then, and then knowing that they would go and try to keep Lindgren, but then he would, I'm sure he wants a one-way deal. So, so it, that part of it gets interesting. I mean, Joel, it's, it's easy. You know, he's going to spend some time in development. That, that's not the problem. The problem is then uh, who do you get? And do you commit a one-way contract, either the Chucky Sideburns or someone else to, uh, to give you that insurance? Because, you know, there's a chance that Jordan Bennington could uh, could burst into flames again. You just you just don't know. Uh, such as such as a life of a goaltender. All right. So moving on before we get to the draft, just uh, the other topic uh, of everybody's interest is trying to keep uh, David Perron. Been some excellent analysis of that situation in the post dispatch and uh, stltoday.com. 
really interesting scenario, JT, in the sense that here's a player that they love, but here's a player that has been underpaid. This is a player that's got some age to him. And, and this is a player that's got an extensive injury history. So there's a lot of things, you know, to weigh. And, you know, there is there are no easy answer here. I know they want to really keep David Perron. But, man, J, JT, this is a pretty challenging scenario, if especially if there's interest outside of St. Louis in them. Yeah, yeah, especially uh, although Doug Armstrong doesn't want to talk about what happens year after next when uh, Tarasenko, O'Reilly are up and 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 Kyrou and Thomas as as arbitration eligible RFAs will are due for big pay raises. That's the issue. It's not so much this year. They they can easily find the money this year, but it's how that affects what they do after that. And we've talked about it at the net front on more than one occasion. You you need a roster with some cheap labor and then all, all these blues players succeed and go to next contracts. Uh, uh, they're they're They don't have a lot of cheap labor on the, uh, uh, on the roster. So yeah. What do you do with Perron? I, they, he wants to be there. They want him to be there. I think they got, they've got to find a way to make it happen. I mean, this is your top goal scorer over the last four years. He's your top power play goal scorer i realize hey you you have eight other 20 goal scores from last year but this this is really a linchpin guy who really overperformed his contract so the idea that hey you're 34 david come on in for less i'm sure Uh, and again i i've had no one confirm this but rumors that he was like surprised and not pleasantly surprised with their uh with their contract uh offer uh you know uh Maybe he'll come back for four million a year, but I—if you're asking him to take less, I—I I think if you're Perron, as much as you love St. Louis, uh, you and your agent, and he's got one of the best in the business in Alan Walsh, you—you—you uh, uh, you look around. But Jeff, just lastly for me uh, on this topic, you—you—you you, you bring up a good point about the injuries, which I didn't really get into. If you're the Blues, you—you uh, you know, maybe you point out, and not, not that you're going to get want to get too negative in negotiations, but yeah, he had another concussion last year and he missed a good chunk of games. I think at least 10 or 11. And so I, I think that's something that the, uh, uh, the blues are considering when you, when you think about term, just how, how, how long this contract is. Yeah. I got to imagine that, it, that it's, it's going to come down to term on Perron and the blues would say, we'll give you two and Perron's going to want three. Um, and that's, you know, and, and all of the charts and diagrams and analytics will tell you that, you know, at, at Perron's age, the drop-off can come quickly uh, and, and certainly will come. And the question is, you know, is, is Perron's prime time extended because of the time he missed earlier due to uh, health issues? Is he getting more time at the back end? But, you know, you think that that third year is, is gets really complicated. I mean, I would be comfortable giving the guy, if I were the Blues, I'd be comfortable giving him two years. But that third year just seems to be asking for trouble. And that's, I think, going to be the problem. But does every NHL team feel that way? If no team is going to give him a third year, then, okay, then you can resign him. But if there's a team out there that says, yeah, we'll take the chance, then maybe that's the difference. And you just don't know. I mean, there could be, uh, as we look at the marketplace, there could be teams that do some crazy things. Like uh, who knows what the Seattle Kraken, they, they butchered the uh, expansion draft so badly, ended up with a hideous team, utterly incapable of mounting any sort of offensive pressure. Uh, just, uh, you know, the beautiful, beautiful arena, wonderful fan base, awful, awful <laughs> product. So the Lord knows they're, they're going to, 
there's a chance that Kraken can just throw stupid money at people because Ron Francis is, you know, has to deal with the humiliation of just his epic failure uh, <laughs> in the expansion draft, somehow coming up with a team that was so bad. Uh, I mean, I know he couldn't do what the Knights did, but he's, I think the Kraken could be disruptive in the marketplace. I'm not sure if Jaden Schwartz is putting the word in for Perron and they would spend that kind of money on an aging player when you're an expansion team. I don't know, but I know that there there's teams, there could be a few surprise teams out there in free agency. Uh, all right, so sure. And that, I, I just want to say real quick, let's not forget about Bill Armstrong down in Arizona. Hey, David, come on down here. Jacob Chikrin stand. The weather's nice. We'll pay you three years. You'll be on the power play and you can score a lot of goals. Oh, and they need a personable guy, uh, Tom, to try to st- sell what few tickets that they can sell on their tiny arena. It'd be interesting to see how that plays out. Do they need a marquee name right now in, in Tempe? Or is there just are there 5,000 hockey fans in, in the Phoenix area that you're, you're good no matter who you put out there? Oh, uh, yeah. It's because they're not trying to fill up an 18,000-seat new arena just yet. So we'll see how mm-hmm. it plays out. Okay, under the draft. You know, you look at the blue situation. It's hard to draft for need uh, in the NHL. And you can say the same in really any – well, you can say the same in the NFL. NBA, I think you can safely draft for need. Um, but, uh, the blues could use, uh, centers for the future as well as defensemen. And yet you look at some mock drafts and there's people suggesting they could take a winger. So, uh, I mean, just broadly speaking, it's pretty hard to project a 23rd pick in the NHL draft, particularly when, uh, Armstrong's threatening to trade down and get an extra pick to do so because there's so many players with the same sort of assessment bunched together. But just broadly speaking, your your thoughts, JT, on uh, on what the Blues hope to accomplish going into this uh, this adventure? Yeah, it, it, the, on on the point of drafting towards need, because in the NHL, usually, unlike uh, certainly the NBA and definitely the NFL, uh, these guys, unless they're top ten picks, they're generally not coming in the first year. Sometimes not even top ten picks do so in the National Hockey League, but you're you're projecting two or three years down the road, who knows what the blues needs will be in 2025. And so that's, that's Armstrong's whole point about uh, uh, drafting towards uh, need, but yes, yeah, center and especially uh, defensemen because they, they just don't have a lot uh, in, in my little chart on the defensemen. They, they have only like four prospect guys under contract. Now that's not counting a, a, a couple draft picks that are yet to be signed to contracts, like a intriguing guy, like uh Leo Louf, who, who, who uh, figures he should be in the mix here and, you know, in a year or two uh, on defense, but, but still they, they don't have a lot of uh, bodies there. So uh, he, he seems to think that there'll be a lot of guys. I, I, I thought it was interesting that he thought they'll, they'll be, even though they're picking at 23, he said, we think we'll have someone that's between 11 and 14 on our board there at 23. If they don't, then they're, they're, it looks like they're going to try to uh, uh, move back. I think, uh, and I certainly don't claim to be a draft expert. Uh, you know, I, I, I ha- would have a much better feel of it when, when I was doing the NFL, but I think it's once you get past the first half dozen or so names, it's a lot more unpredictable in part because of what COVID has done to scouting, uh, uh, not just uh, last year, but even this year uh, uh, to, a de- to a degree in terms of who you could see in person, uh, uh, Russians not being available for uh, recently in, in some of the international uh, 
tournament. So I, I think it's a little bit more kind of personal. What's, what's your favorite flavor of player? And it could be a, a more unpredictable and wide ranging than, than maybe we've seen in the past. And we've seen trades on this day. And so if, if this is, a, if there's a chance here that to do something that either opens up space for free agency or for David Perron or something, this is the time we could see it. If uh, any of the people that are talked about as being trade, uh, you know, subjects for this team, this could be the time in the next few days that uh, that some things happen. You get all the GMs in one place. Uh, they don't have to be on the phone anymore. They can walk over to another table and, and make a deal. So uh, we can see things happening uh, just uh, the way this team looks in the next few days. Yeah. And JT to go to going back to the, the Bill Armstrong angle. I mean, he's uh, obviously uh, gone scorched earth uh, on the rebuild. And again, because they're going to be playing in a tiny arena, they're pretty limited <laughs> seating and uh, not much uh, pressure to sell tickets because there's so few tickets to sell. Uh, he's going to be accumulating, continue to accumulate uh, long-term assets and so I, I got to think that, you know, there are a lot of chit chat about one of his assets ahead of the trade deadline. And there's going to be a lot of chit chat going in Montreal about that asset uh, at the draft. Yeah, no doubt about it. I believe he's got seven picks. Arizona Coyotes have seven picks in the first two rounds. So he can just accumulate all those guys. He can take most of them. He certainly has some trade, uh, uh, some trade potential with all of those picks. He has made it pretty strongly known that uh, he's, he's not really shopping Jacob Chikrin uh, this time around, which I'm sure lots of blues fans uh, that uh, dream about such things are, 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 are sad about. And that doesn't mean Chikrin won't be traded, but it, it doesn't sound like he's, he's actively uh, uh, shopping him uh uh, this time around, but yeah, trades could happen in trades that none of us, and I mean, none of us expect, I don't think any of us had, uh, and it was on the, the first day of the draft. I don't, I don't think we thought, Oh, they're going to, they're going to trade for Pavel Buchnevich uh, on, mm -hmm. on draft day. And he's going to be a 30 goal scorer. So that's one of the first things I learned uh, covering the hockey beat was uh, uh, always expect the unexpected with, uh, with Doug Armstrong. And that's a, you know, the Buchnevich trade is an example of, there are guys out there that teams have to trade because of salary cap concerns or they want to open up space. So there are guys you're thinking, why would they trade that guy? But you know, they, they need to open space. They need, they need to make money. They need to make money space. So things happen that, you know, that you don't necessarily see coming. And does that mean, you know, are there guys on the blues? And we've certainly have talked about Ivan Barbashev as a, as a trade topic. Is this a time, you know, if there's ever going to be a Tarasenko trade, does it happen this week? Um, you know, if not, when would it ever happen? So, uh, because with free agency around the corner, this is where, if you want to open up space, this is where you got to do it. There's a, there's a lot of interesting, uh, possibilities around the league, maybe more so than, than usual. And there's some thought that the draft itself could be more unpredictable than usual. Even starting with the top pick with Montreal being unsure about what to do with the top pick. Um, but a team like Chicago, they're going scorched earth. Uh, Kyle Davis has got the reins and, you know, it's um, he's, you know, they made some mistakes trying to stay uh, relevant last year. Now they're starting over and the ownerships agreed. Oh, it's okay. Start over. So uh, you can, you get a dynamic to bring it score. And who's still, who's just hitting his prime, got a little term left on his contract. Going to want giant money going forward. They're going to, and they want future assets. Well, you put him into play. 
uh, at the draft. And there's some teams that want to get better quickly. You know, New Jersey wants to get better. They're tired of losing. I think Ottawa wants to get better. I think Buffalo's got a lot of future assets. Uh, it's time for them to actually start winning some games. I think it's going to be interesting. What happens with Chicago if they trade the cat? Then does does uh, Patrick Kane raise his hand and said, "You know what? I'm out of here too. That's my guy." And they may say, "Fine," because this is going to be a long haul rebuild. I think that long haul rebuild uh, of that franchise in particular could could also be a dynamic at this draft. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you know, I I think this was one of the more uh, spread out years in the league where uh the disparity between the uh the playoff teams especially the top 10 11 12 and the bottom half of the league was wide so if if you're one of the bottom feeders like you you mentioned chicago or buffalo or 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 arizona detroit some of whom have uh have new philadelphia some of whom have new coaches uh uh do you want to get better I mean, do you want to make a splash with with a new with a new coach? And not all of them have uh, uh, the the luxury, I guess we'll call it, of a what a five six thousand seat arena where they they don't really have to worry about filling the stands. They they need to avoid uh, uh, further alienating their their fan base. So yeah, that 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 could play in. I think we have to keep in mind too that some teams again just don't have uh, cap room, uh, which is why you see you know. Uh, uh, McDonough just uh, tr- uh, traded by uh, uh, by Tampa, so so that'll 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 make it a little tougher for 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 some of the uh, the top uh, the top tier teams, and it you no, know, it, it it's a bit of an issue for the Blues as well. I don't have the the numbers in front of me, but I, it seems like DeBrincat has scored his share of goals against the Blues, so probably not a lot of sadness uh, in this part of uh, of the world if he ends up in another division. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be uh, and, and you just look around this uh, this division. And uh, so, it's, you know, they're going to be awful. Um, you know, Nashville, interesting case, uh, trying to get Forsberg signed. Uh, they spent the money. They committed the cap to space to McDonough, which was, you know, a good player, a lot of cap space. Um, we'll see. I, I It's got to make them somewhat better. Dallas still trying to plow ahead with some young guys and some old guys. Winnipeg. You know, I'm kind of scratching my head uh, with that whole situation. Uh, Defensive-minded coach, you know, I don't know how that's going to work. I mean, I think Barry Trotz would have been interesting. I can't – I don't know what to make of Winnipeg. So, really, for Blues fans, as you look at this, and then, of course, the Colorado, JT, a a lot of decisions to be made there. Do do you think they'll – do they lose Darcy Kemper? It's one thing to lose Burakovsky, but what about Kadri? You know, was Seattle going to throw big money at, at Kadri? Would Arizona throw big money at Cadre? So I don't know. It's going to be um, this division as we go into the draft and then free agency, JT. It's uh, it's interesting. And then yeah, Minnesota's yeah. already traded Fiala. Yeah. And uh, Colorado, uh, they they have, uh, I think it's about 18 million of cap room left, but they, have, they still have about 10 or 11 free agents that are either unrestricted or are restricted. And Nichushkin is, is another guy on the list. Uh, if they re- if they somehow re- say re- resign uh, Nachuskin, Barakowski, uh, Kemper, I mean those are probably all high ticket items. You would you would think in the in the five million range, uh, they're going to run out of money uh, pretty quick. So they're high end guys. Let's not be mistaken about Colorado. Their high end guys are still going to be there, and they're still going to be very good. But but uh, uh, they're 
they may not be quite the all world team. So I, I do believe, and I, and, and, and Doug Armstrong feels the same way that they, the blues close the gap, but there's still a gap, but maybe if the, if the avalanche, you know, lose some players in free agency, which it looks like they will, maybe that gap will close even a little more. The camper was fascinating in the postseason because he, he wasn't all that great. He, he was a pretty ordinary goalie. Uh, in playoffs, obviously, it's a small portion of the season, but yeah, his, he just didn't have whopping numbers. So you wonder if Colorado, hey, you know, maybe we, you know, heck, we we won with him. Could we? What, what do we need? Could we go back on the free agent market and find someone else? I don't think they would sign Billy Huso, but do they look at someone else and say, oh, you know, let's give that guy a try? Well, at the very least, you know, Mark Andre Fleury could give uh, could provide some leadership. I mean, a lot of nights, it's not a very difficult job being a goaltender in Colorado, uh, you know, and, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's Joe Sackick, you know, he's got his, he's got his ring. He's got his cup. Um, he, he had to win this year because he knew this was his max talent and he did. So and from that standpoint, you know, he might, if, if anybody can roll the dice and say, well, let's go find it. Just we'll find another goalie. That's Joe Sackick because you know, they're, they're still hung over from the, from the parade. So uh, he, he can't, you know, and he let Grubauer go. And of course, Grubauer blew up like a, a poison farm dog for uh, Seattle. And whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, he, he did what? He blew up like a what? Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, what was I can't use that for, I mean, you can't, that's an old phrase, poison farm dog. We're not, uh, and, and the net front, we do not condone the poisoning, uh, of farm dogs and we do not think that that's a funny phrase so sorry I yeah and no we want to tell her but no animals have been hurt in, right. in the production of, the net front. Of, of the net front correct okay so set that record straight but anyways so you know there's not a whole lot of pressure on Sackick. he'll he'll keep he's got to get mckinnon signed and it's probably going to happen sooner than later to get that money locked in beyond uh his current contract so they know what they're dealing with but beyond that you know they got mccarr under a good contract they're able to get uh, landis landis cog taken care of yeah as long as they got McCarr and McKinnon, man, it's going to be tough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Be a tough. couple of guys named Landis Gog and Ranton are, are – Yeah, not are bad, but, man. All right, so uh, all right, last thing. I'll circle back one last thing on the net front before we let everybody go. It's uh, it's an interesting uh, – one of my favorite guys is apparently uh, also becoming uh, popular uh, around the league, the Dakota Joshua, a guy that I think uh, at the very least is going to get a one-way contract. But JT, he may get uh, some real money and maybe a couple of years of guaranteed money from someone else based on what he did this year in the HL. And, you know, the fact he didn't stick with the blues, but he had, he did make the most of his time uh, in the postseason. Yeah. He really was strong for, uh, for uh, Springfield in that, uh, in that series. I think he was the second leading scorer on the team in the playoffs and his last tour of duty uh, with the blues he was pretty good. It just seems like he's looking for his shot more. I, you know, we talk about these fourth line guys, the energy, uh, they need to provide momentum, play physical, but you need to, you need to score a goal every now and then. And it looks, looks like he's, he's reaching that point in his career. So I think beyond the, the, uh, the top three guys, uh, uh, in free agency, uh, 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 Huso and and Peron and, and Letty Joshua is an interesting guy, and I I think uh, uh, if the Blues re-sign Joshua, that that'll I kind of get the sense that'll be it for for Tyler Bozak. But uh, uh, yeah, I, I Joshua certainly 
has got himself noticed at least to a degree. I mean, at least that's the sense I get. You know, it's kind of the challenge with these fourth line guys. It's like utility infielders like Daniel Descalso with the Cardinals, where you can keep them around as long as they're making the league minimum. Once they become free agents and can actually go on the market and get more money from other teams, then they leave because that's what they, you know, they, they want to get a full-time gig. They want to get a, a two-year contract rather than a one-year contract. And Joshua has gotten to that point where, you know, other teams are going to say, yeah, okay, he's, we're looking for a fourth line guy. He, he could be it. And the blues would have to say, how much do we value it? Or do we have the Toropchenkos and the Nathan Walkers of the world that, um, you know, the, we, that we can use instead. And the blues obviously showed that they are committed to Nathan Walker because they didn't send him back down to uh, Springfield for the playoffs and risk losing him on the waivers. So they blues are clearly in on Nathan Walker. Oh, that will make at least one of our regular uh, chat uh, participants very happy. So on, on that happy note, because we have one highly dedicated Nathan Walker fan out there who regularly uses our live chats on stltoday.com. And, uh, and, and it did seem like that uh, Nathan crossed that bridge. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, so uh, and good on him because he spent a lot of time trying to get to that point where he could get a regular NHL work. And so we will see what happens with the draft. We'll come back with another edition of the Net for Our Presence at some point next week, we hope. Ahead of free agency, we'll see what our heroes did in the draft, if there were any trades, get a sense of who they picked, how they fit, and uh, prospect camp. Yeah, prospect yeah. camp coming up. Yeah. So, And when it's 115 degrees outside, that'll be a welcome uh, diversion for, for, the, for the hockey beat guys. So uh, until next time, for Jim Thomas, for Tom Timmerman, I'm Jeff Gordon. This has been the Netfront Presidents. Reminder that you can find all of our podcasts, our videos, our chats, all that cool stuff on stltoday.com. We're doing more stuff than ever before. So, uh, hey, that digital subscription is worth more than ever before. So please uh, support local journalism. And, hey, hey, while you're at it, get the print product as well. So until next time, see ya. See ya.